You're listening to sermon audio from King's Cross Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information about King's Cross Church, you can visit us online at kingscrossraleigh.com. Our sermon text today comes from Acts chapter 14, verses 21 through 28. After they had evangelized that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the hearts of the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith, and by telling them it is necessary to pass through many troubles on our way into the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders in each church and prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, and they spoke the message in Perga and went down to Italia. From there they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been entrusted to the grace of God for the work that they had completed. After they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done with them, and that he opened the door of faith to Gentiles, and he spent a considerable time with the disciples. This is God's word. And uh, right now, so they've, last week they were in Lystra, Iconium. At the very end, they were, um, Paul was, was stoned in Lystra, and then they went to, to Derby. And so that's where we are now. They were sent out from Antioch, um, and they're, they're heading back home there. But they're not going straight from Derby to Antioch. Um, there's something particularly special about, um, you know, in, in Paul and Barnabas's desire to, to go back to the um, go back to these towns that they've been to. Um, we talked about the the core missionary task last week last week a little bit about how they they want to enter um, enter new places, build relationships with people that don't know Jesus, share the gospel with them, evangelize. Um, you, we have the, the list of um, I think the one through six of the core missionary task. Yeah. Um, so they want to evangelize, share the gospel. They want to make disciples. And they want to form not just individual disciples, but bring them into the into the churches together. And a lot of that one through four happened on their first pass through. Uh, but now, you know, they want to go back and they want to raise up leaders, appoint elders. They want to encourage them and um, and lead those those churches in in Lystra and Derby, Iconium. Lead them as as partners, um, partners that are also on mission together. And so, um, in this passage. You know, as this, as this journey is coming to a close, we see, you know, a couple of themes that I want to draw out. We see that the faith grows through hardship. The journey of discipleship, you know, it begins with the gospel and, and our faith is refined through hardship. And ultimately, we're dependent on the Lord. We also see that, that faith is sustained through partnership. You know, Paul and Barnabas were, were sent out from Antioch and they come back and they have this, this message that they're reporting to um, to the church and then the, the church helps sustain them helps support them so as I was um, prepping this week and I was, I was trying to think of an illustration that, that kind of shows um, that, that hardship and that partnership and so I thought of Toy Story not just regular Toy Story we're going to Toy Story deep cuts there's a short called Toy Story of Terror you, you guys should go watch it. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, and so they're, they're at this hotel, and uh, there's this iguana that comes and takes the toys. Um, and, 
and takes it to the manager and the manager puts the toys on eBay and tries to sell them. Jessie, the, the cowgirl, she has some PTSD from um, being locked in a box for years, stored, and so she hates being in boxes. And she's about to be sold, about to be put in, the, in this box. Woody is sold first, and she has a chance to rescue Woody. Um, but to do that, she has to get in a box. And she's freaking out. She doesn't want to do that. And, uh, and there's a character called Combat Carl. He's kind of this, this G.I. Joe guy. And uh, he says, Shoulder, remember your training. And she's like, I don't have any training. Uh, I don't know. And he says, okay, forget about that. When Combat Carl's in the jam, he says to himself, Combat Carl never gives up. Combat Carl finds a way. Say that. So she says, Jesse never gives up. Jesse finds a way. And she gets in the box, and she's sealed in, and she's freaking out, and, and she remembers. Jesse never gives up. Jesse finds a way. So we see that Paul is kind of like Combat Carl here. He's coming back. <laughs> you guys are going to remember this. Um, he's coming back to these, these towns. In Lystra, he was stoned. Like, he's coming back to Lystra, and he tells them, it is necessary to go through hardship to enter the kingdom of God. Imagine hearing that from Paul. He was just stoned. He was just run out of this town. He comes back and he says, hardship is good. We've got the kingdom of God in front of us. It's necessary to go through hardship to enter the kingdom of God. So I want our, us today as a church, I want us to learn to ex- exhort one another to endure the hardship that we're facing because we have the kingdom of God in front of us. So as we dive into the text, I'm going to pray and just ask for the, the Lord to be with us. Father God, I thank you for your kindness to us, your love for us. Thank you for the, just the way that, that you are faithful, the way that we can, we can trust you and we can rely on you. Thank you for Jesus and the, the hardship that he endured on the cross and, and the way that he made a way for us to be brought into community together. Pray that you would help us to depend, to depend on you, to depend on one another, and just to press on together to the kingdom of God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we have two different sections here. The first, the journey of, of discipleship, verses 21 to 25. We see here that the, the Christian life is, is based in the gospel. It grows through hardship, and ultimately it, it relies on the Lord. So, um, you know, they, they start out this, this section in, in the town of Derby. And they said they, verse 21, it says, they preached the gospel in that town. They made many disciples. And they returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. So they, they preached the gospel and they made many disciples in, in Derby. So even though, you know, I mentioned how kind of their, their focus here is, is on raising up leaders and, and, um, and leaving as partners, but, but we never stop needing to, enter new relationships with with the lost never stop needing to evangelize to share the gospel right now there are about three billion people that that don't know that don't have any access to the gospel there's a good chance they'll be born they'll live their whole whole life and they'll die without ever meeting a christian so there's an urgency there that we need to be doing all that we can to bring the gospel to those people But as believers, we know that the, the gospel, so, so we need to, 
we need to see people coming into the journey of discipleship. But we know as, as believers, the, the journey of discipleship doesn't, doesn't just stop with the gospel. Right? There's a, a phrase that um, J.D. Greer at Summit, um, a phrase that he uses, he says that the gospel isn't just the diving board, it's the pool. Right? So we don't just believe the gospel and come into the faith, but the gospel is what sustains us in the faith. Paul and Barnabas, they come and they're, they're encouraging these believers, these disciples, to continue in the faith. They're already believers. And they go back to encourage them. They encourage them to continue in faith. Faith isn't a one-time thing that, you know, I, I did, I, I repented, I believed. I had faith that one time. It's this continual, constant thing that we need to do. There's never a time that we stop identifying the sin in our lives. Never a time that we stop repenting of that sin. There's never a, top, a time that we stop relying on the Lord. You know, it seems like almost, almost every sermon I'm, I'm quoting Matthew 11 where, where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. The reason I quote that so much is because I need it so much. There, there's so many times that I am trying to hold that yoke myself. I'm trying to be strong enough. I'm trying to be good enough. And I need that reminder from Jesus that even when my, my burden is, is heavy, my, this burden is too heavy for me, but it's not too heavy for him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I need that rest for my soul. I need to come to Jesus. So believing the gospel is something that, that helps us grow in the faith. So what does that mean for us? If you don't know Jesus, if you're not a believer, believe it for the first time. God sent Jesus to live his whole life on earth. He was, he was in heaven, not facing any suffering. And he came down to earth, was born, lived his whole life, never veered off his mission, never sinned, never fell short. All the way to the cross, and he was killed. But he's not still dead. He was resurrected and came back. Defeating sin and death forever, making a, a way for us to be part of this community, be part of this church. If you are a believer, keep believing. Continue in faith. Know that there's this depth to the gospel that we'll never get to the bottom of. The gospel is what brings us into this community of faith, and it's what Christianity is all about. We see that our, our journey of discipleship, on that journey, our faith is refined through hardship. So what I want us to, to see in this text is that hardship is good. It's hard to, it's hard to, to trust that sometimes. We have um, you know, lots of examples of, of people growing through hardship. In sports, it's a lot of things. A lot of, a lot of times you see that. Um, you guys that, that know me, you know that the Atlanta Braves are my favorite sports team, baseball team. So um, the Atlanta Braves had a, a, a time where they went through hardship. Right in um, 2018, 2019, they, they made the playoffs and lost in the first round. 
happened a couple times. And then in 2020, a little bit more experience. These these young players, they're getting, they're going through this hardship together, and they're they're getting stronger. 2020, they um, they win their first couple rounds in the playoffs, and then losing the um, you know national league the national league championship series NLCS. And then in 2021, it all comes together. They've been through this hardship together. They win the World Series. Maybe not a coincidence that it was right after we planted this church and God was just blessing me because of this. Um, but that's, that's pretty common. You know, there's a lot of teams like that that the first time they come to the playoffs, they just get bounced. But then they go through that hardship and they have that experience and they come back stronger. And so Paul and Barnabas, they're encouraging these disciples to go through this hardship, to trust God in it. It's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In this narrative, you know, this is going to take Paul and Barnabas weeks or, or months to get back to Antioch. And Luke includes one quote. So that's a pretty important quote. It's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We can put ourselves in these believers' shoes. They're in the Roman Empire. It's an empire because Roman has been more, or Rome has been more powerful and has taken over. And so if you don't follow the way of life, the Roman way of life, you can be killed. Not only could you be killed by the Romans, but the Jews are out to get you too. This faith is based on a Jew. It's based on Jesus. But the Jews are the ones that incited the mob and, and Lystra to stone Paul. And so it would be natural to, to be afraid. But how encouraging is it that Paul and Barnabas come back and they say this truth? Yes, we've faced persecution, but it's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. I want to draw out three quick reasons that, that hardship is good. First of all, Jesus went through hardship to make the way for us to get into the kingdom. I didn't actually um, put this in my notes, but I wanted to read a couple of verses from Isaiah 53. It's a famous passage of um, the suffering servant. But in addition to the, the suffering, you know, he's oppressed, oppressed and afflicted, didn't open his mouth. In verse 10, that the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed he will prolong his days, and by his hands the, Lord pleasure, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. He will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion. He will receive the mighty as spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. So Jesus went through the suffering to make the way for us to get in the kingdom. He endured this hardship. The Lord was pleased to crush him severely. But he received the many as a portion. He received the mighty as a spoil. So Jesus went through the hardship to, to make the way for us to come into this kingdom. That's one reason that hardship is good. Another reason is that hardship helps us grow our faith. 
James chapter 1. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. That's kind of like that sports analogy I gave of, of the way when we go through hardship, it, it helps us grow. It produces endurance. It helps us grow in maturity. And ultimately, tying those two things together, that, that going through hardships helps us represent God. You know, we read from from 1 Peter chapter 1 together. Later in that book, Peter says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you're blessed. It shows that the spirit of glory in God rests on you. So what do we need to do? We need to trust God in the midst of suffering. That's hard to do. It's so easy to, to complain. Well, we can follow the example of, of David and the, the psalmist as they write these psalms of, of lamentation. Psalms of Lament. I've heard people say that that lamenting is, is like complaining to God. It's easy to complain about God, complain about your situation, but let's bring that to the Lord. Let's lament to Him. As we're facing suffering, we bring it to Him and, and trust Him. Another thing we can do with suffering is we as we've been through suffering, encourage others. Help others along. A lot of times the, the most impactful, deep suffering you face, you can help other people that are going through that same kind of thing. A lot of you guys know that, that we had a, a foster child that, that lived with us for, um, for about two years. She was in our home. She was our little girl. And, um, and she went back to her family. That's, that's a great thing, but it was so hard. She was our little girl for, for two years, and, and then she wasn't with us anymore. The way that, that we grieved through that and, and saw the, the Lord with us through that, Jess had an opportunity to, to help someone we were close to grieve through a miscarriage. It wasn't exactly the same thing, but, but there's that, that kind of mixed grief of, like, you don't... You don't see it. You know, our foster daughter isn't, isn't dead. Nobody ever saw the baby. But we're able to, to help encourage her as she was going through that miscarriage. Last thing we should do with suffering is, is learn from it. Learn from the hardship. And we should change the way that we talk about our suffering. If hardship is good, then we should talk about it that way. I heard a, a podcast this week. Um, David Platt was on it, and he was he was saying he was talking about you know the the hardship of um, trying to lead a church over the last few years of um, you know COVID and, and politics and and churches being so quick to divide. So many people are going to leave your church if you wear masks, or, or leave your church if you don't wear masks, or leave your church if you 
you know, say it about this way or say it about that way. That's a struggle. He said, so he's talking about that and, and he was saying that, he said to his wife, he said, I can honestly say that I know God more, I love God more, I trust God more than I did two or three years ago. So I guess if God is the goal, then these are great days. Even when it's hard, he's worth it. That should be the way that we talk about suffering. As we go through it, it's hard. But we should come through it knowing God more, loving God more, and trusting him more. And then the hardship is good. So our journey of discipleship is based in the gospel. It grows through hardship. And ultimately, we're dependent on the Lord. We're dependent on the Lord through other trustworthy people, through prayer, through faith. So verse 23, as they um, come back to these churches, they, they appoint elders. Paul and Barnabas know that these churches, they need elders to help guide them. So in the scriptures, when, you know, verse, 1 Timothy 3 is a, um, one example, Titus 1, it kind of lists the, the characteristics that you, you should look for in elders. And so Paul and Barnabas are, are thinking those things, and, and ultimately it's, so many of those characteristics are all character-based. It's not like a job description of skills that you need to have. Right? You should be above reproach. You should be self-controlled. You should be sensible, respectable. Another thing to, to note for um, you know, married men with, with children, they look for, for good dads. You know, it says that if you're not leading the, your own household well, how can you manage the household, household of God? So they're not looking for the smartest guys or the highest capacity leaders or anything like that. They're looking for people who humbly follow the Lord. A lot of times in, in workplaces, they like to promote from within. Where I work, they, they do that. And I know Fidelity, like Micah said, seven different roles there or something. Um, they pr promote from within because they know that, that they have high character people that um, you can learn the, the task, but you can't teach the character. And so they're looking for, for people that they can trust, people with high character. And ultimately, as they appointed these elders, they, they prayed with fasting. They know that they're dependent on the Lord. You can have a, a pretty good idea whether someone meets these qualifications. But we need to trust God. And clear wisdom, as we set apart leaders in the church. And as we were appointing deacons, we, we prayed and, and fasted to make sure that the Lord was with, with us in that. If, if a leader in the church goes through a moral scandal, it's going to affect the church in a big way. If Chad or I do something like that, have, have this moral fa failing, and we're out, then it's going to affect this church in a big way. So Paul and Barnabas, they know that, and they, as they're appointing elders, they, they want to make sure that, the, that they're trustworthy men, that they can pray and fast and ask for the God for God to be with these churches as they leave them. And that's what they did ultimately. They, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Paul and Barnabas never lose sight of the fact that they're on God's mission. These churches aren't Paul's churches or Barnabas' churches. They're God's. 
And so they commit these churches, they commit these elders to the Lord in whom they believe. So we need to trust God. We need, we're ultimately dependent on him. There's a famous missionary named Adoniram Judson. He, um, he went to, to Burma, Myanmar now. And um, as he was going on this mission, he, he was wanting to, to get married. And, um, but he knew that the missions these days was, was difficult. And he was probably, good chance he was going to die. Good chance his potential spouse was going to die. And he wrote this letter to his potential father-in-law asking for um, his daughter's hand in marriage. He was asking for that father-in-law to be dependent on the Lord, to commit his daughter to the Lord in this way. I'm going to read some of this letter. He said, I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent her to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness brightened by the acclamations of praise which shall resound to her Savior from heathens saved through her means from eternal woe and despair? So as Paul and Barnabas come to the end of their missionary journey, they're encouraging these disciples to press on in the faith, to endure suffering, and ultimately to rely on the Lord. So we see the, the journey of discipleship. And we also see the, the value of, of partnership. Verses 26 to, to 28, we see the, the unity of, of the missionary in the church. The partnership that comes through, through sending and, and supporting and even reporting. As we, as a church, we, we look to live out our, our core values of, of community, service, multiplication, we were looking to Antioch as a, as a good example of that. And so as we have opportunity to, to multiply, to send out missionaries, we want to look to Antioch and, and how they supported Paul and Barnabas. I had an opportunity last year to, to go to a commissioning service at the International Mission Board. These missionaries that um, they're about to be sent out, about to be commissioned. It's the end of their training and, and they have family and, and friends and pastors and, and fellow church members come to support them as they're, as they're sending them out. And that's such an encouraging time to see these, these missionaries that, that are willing to sacrifice so much. You know, we're, we're going to sing Is He Worthy in a minute. Um, and we sing that at that commissioning service. And it just, it hits different when, when it's the missionaries that are singing it. They're about to, to leave their family, their friends, what they know. They're about to go overseas and they, they say he is worthy. He's worthy of all blessing and honor and glory. He's worthy of me leaving everything I know. And they see that that value of, of having a, a church that sends them out. We see that in this passage. So while the body has, has different parts, the gifts work together to fulfill the Great Commission. The church sends out missionaries. 
back in chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, it says, As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. After they fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So the Holy Spirit told the church in Antioch to send them. And now they, they come back. And it says, you know, the back in Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So the church committed them to the Lord, commended them to the Lord, just like Paul and Barnabas were, were commending these, these other churches. And as the, as the church is ascending, they're able to participate in this multiplication of the kingdom. And so for us as a church, as King's Cross Church, we need to, we need to be doing this. We need to be participating in, in multiplication. So what does that look like for us? When a lot of times they, you know, missionaries have the, the categories of a pray, give, and go. And so for us, what, what missionaries are, are you praying for? What unreached people groups are you praying for? If the answer is, is none, I'd love to, to connect you with, with some resources. Um, you know, we have prayer cards for, for missionaries and, and um, lots of resources about unreached people groups that I mentioned earlier that those people live their whole lives without ever meeting a Christian. Pray for, for those people groups that there would be opportunities where, where that's not true anymore. We also need to pray for, for people in this church to be called, to be sent. So praying, giving, what does is, what is sacrificial giving look like for you? Maybe you have the opportunity to um, you know, choose between this level of car and this level of car and, and use that difference to support missionaries. You have the chance to Think through renovating your house or going on a mission trip. It's going to be different for, for each of us, but, but think about sacrificial giving. What's that look like? And then going. How are you helping our, our church send a real life missionary? Are you considering yourself? A lot of times we, we think that, you know, you hear me saying this and you're thinking I'm talking to somebody else. We just write it off. We don't even really consider it. But God could be calling you. And then are you encouraging others to go? Just imagine if if your your best friend, the person that you're closest to, comes and says, I think God's calling me overseas. Is your natural response going to be, oh no, don't go. I miss you so much. Or is it something like, praise God. I'm so excited for you to have that opportunity. So we need to be sending as a church. We also see in this passage that, that Paul and Barnabas, they're able to, to report back to the church what God has done. There's a huge value in that. As they come back, they get to share how God is working through the church in Antioch because the church in Antioch sent them out. It comes back and says they... They gathered the church together. You know, Paul and Barnabas didn't just come in and, and just talk to the elders or just talk to the leaders. Right? They gathered the church together to share what God was doing. They reported everything that God had done with them. 
there's a, a family, <clears throat> a missionary family in, in South Asia. They have like six kids or something, a lot of kids. But um, they they have this opportunity where they have these these national partners that are um, you know going and planting churches and <clears throat> they're seeing believers and and this family has them and their their six kids and they're they're writing down names, they're writing down stories of this church has has these members. These people have been baptized. They planted this church with these people, writing down names. And those names kind of get, you know, translated to numbers that, that come out. And and a lot of people in our circles, they don't believe those numbers. They said, churches can't can't grow that fast. They can't plant that many churches. They can't baptize those that many people. But that family is just reporting what God has done. They're able to see... God moving in such a way that it's unbelievable. Thousands of people in South Asia coming to know him. Just imagine Paul and Barnabas sharing what God has done. What a cool storytelling time. Remember in in Cyprus when we met that sorcerer? Remember in Lystra when they were about to sacrifice to us? They're just telling these stories and, and sharing what God had done. And ultimately sharing how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. You know, Luke just kind of slips that in at the end, but but we've seen throughout Acts the, the tension between Jews and Gentiles. And and even in each of these towns, Paul and Barnabas, they go to the, the synagogue first. But in Lystra, it doesn't mention the synagogue at all. They just have this, this door of faith open through through this healing of this man. God is working in, in Jews, God is working in Gentiles, and, and Paul and Barnabas have the chance to, to report that back to the church, encourage them. So for us, as we have opportunity to, to see God work, we need to share it. We need to report how God, what God has done in our lives. The last thing we, we see is that the church supports Paul and Barnabas. As they come home, says they spent a considerable time with the disciples. A couple years ago, we, we had a chance to, to go on a vacation with some of our good friends, Robbie and Robin. And, uh, and we were, you know, in their, Robbie's grandpa's beach house. And um, we just spent considerable time with them. And it was just so encouraging. We'd, we'd both kind of been going through some, some tough seasons and um, just being able to, you know, we, we put our kids to bed and, and we stayed up talking with them until, you know, after one o'clock in the morning. Just spending considerable time together, encouraging one another and what God has done. You can imagine that, that Paul and Barnabas had a lot of conversations like that with their old friends from Antioch that, that uh, going from house to house and sharing in a more personal way what, what God had done and, and hearing how God had been continuing to work in Antioch just that encouraging, sustaining thing that, that these missionaries that have come back from this journey, what they needed. So we need to support one another in deep community, spend considerable time with each other, encourage one another, exhort one another to, to press on through suffering. 
So I'm not any kind of uh, any kind of runner. You can probably tell from my from my dad bod, but um, so I've never been a runner. And in, in high school, we did like a mile run, and and um, you know I, I didn't push myself super hard. And so I'm coming to the end end of the race. I see the the finish line, and I'm pretty much able to sprint because I have a lot left in the tank. But real racers, you know, marathons and stuff. They're giving everything they have. Like it'll be like two marathon runners at the end and they're racing to the very end trying to win and they go like 1% faster because they've spent everything they have. They're coming to the finish line with their tank just about empty. And that's what we need to do. We need to, to race. We need to remember that, that this journey, it's a race. So we need to push with everything that we have. We need to get to the finish line, but our tank should be just about empty. So as we, as a church, as, as we have opportunities to, to work on mission for Christ, let's support one another to, to race, to work hard. Let's support one another through the hardship that we're facing. Encourage one another to remember verse 22. Remember to continue in the faith. Remember that it's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. But remember that we do, we are entering the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the way that you brought us into community together. The way that we can be united around Christ the way that we have the kingdom of God to look forward to. Pray that you would sustain us. Help us to remember, even in the midst of hardship, remember that it's good. Remember that you're with us. Help us to trust you. Help us to know you more, to love you more, to follow you more, and to be more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.